0: Hey, Phil here, just a little bit of a different podcast for you this week, but just before we do, a bit of a precursor. We first met Harry Young through uh, a mutual friend, and for us, he was a good story. He was a young guy trying to get a pro license in the world of triathlon, and he in fact has just done that. But what we uncovered when we spoke to him was far bigger. As you know, I love to have a, a chat and opinion, but Harry made us actually sit still as we listened to his story. Having recently gone through an episode myself of trauma and listening to Harry's story, it really resonated to me. It's interesting, it's down to earth, and it's something that we all really loved listening to and and appreciated him sharing what has obviously been a a huge few years um, for a young man making his way, not only in the triathlon world, but in the world itself. Uh, I'll pipe down now and let you listen. Um... Wade through the first few minutes of banter before Harry gets started properly. Uh, and I'll let you uh, make your own minds up. But for us, uh, it certainly was a compelling story. This is episode 32, and we're talking to Harry
1: Young. You're listening to The Life of Try. It's Triathlon for your ears. <laughs>
0: podcasting is that you never click the red button or you never not click the red button in case you get something good uh harry young hello good to well good to be across the ways from you my friend Uh, absolutely
1: at least i can come visit you now out of
0: lockdown (laughs) i know we're all free and easy now just swinging in the breeze it's all good yeah all good it must have been i mean i was regional so i Mm -hmm. you know i kind of got I got away a little bit with stuff. Um, you were metro, I presume. How was that yes. for you? Metro,
1: uh, far out. I would only describe it as going to jail without going to jail. <laughs> 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 it was, it was, it was great to know that you still lived in the in the CBD but you couldn't go to the CBD. Yeah. Um, it was a ghost. It was it was one of the most scariest uh, times of my life. You know, you would walk out of your home not knowing whether you were going to be hated by the public or get a fine for being too far from your home or, you know, being out too late or am I allowed to go to work? Am I not allowed to go to work? Can I go to the shop? Am I being watched? Am I going to catch something? um it was just it was just a an uncertain well yeah it was just that an uncertain emotion and an uncertain feeling like i guess a lot of the world has felt but you know as as melbourne victoria and australia um we were the most locked down city in the world yeah it sucked and it was um, yeah it to say the
0: least yeah it was a time um and it's still happening i was talking to some people today actually um You know, and every time there's a close contact in a school, the whole joint just shuts down or the kids get shut down more importantly.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And I I don't, I would, I feel for the parents who have got younger kids or even teenage kids at this day and age over the last two years, because how, how can they teach? How Like, I, I just don't understand how they can have a job and be a teacher and a guardian and have a happy life and, a respectable husband or wife fits oh man
0: you know i am in that category um and i'm yeah. i was the double dose cuz my real day job is in education god yeah <laughs> uh that was what was i thinking um but <laughs> <laughs> but um and i got two you know smaller lads as yeah. well at my joint and um it was do you know what in the end you just go do you know what if you're wearing underpants and you're upright by midday doing some form <laughs> of learning. I'm stoked. Well played. Off you I, go.
1: I'm doing something right. <laughs> do you know what it did do though?
0: The proliferation of um of now you work in the bike industry as well. But we can do. we can talk too, I suppose, is the, the amount of bikes that people are buying at the moment. I mean, my my two got them during COVID and fortunately yep. enough, um, you know <laughs> you know we, we we were in luck but the kids, they all just made BMX uh, happen again. They got, you know, on their yeah. jewelies and mountain bikes and hardtails and they went off and made jumps and they had a ball. They had an absolute ball
1: and it got them mobile again. I, I think the – And how great was that? Yeah.
0: Yeah, like, like a renaissance, it got, huh? It got,
1: people, it got people out of, you know, my well, my, my family's over in, in Perth, which is on the other side of Australia, uh, but they, they weren't really struck with COVID. So they were still on, on you know the, the, the PlayStations and on the internets and stuff. And I'm just thinking the amount of kids now that all they want to do is ride their bike because that's all they can do. Yeah. And it's like scooters or skateboards or even surfboards. All they wanted to do was go outside because they were sick to death of, of you're right, being locked in, locked down. And they wanted to relive the... Early, late eighties, early nineties. <laughs> well, that's and that was my
0: prime. That was I mean, I, yeah. now I'm old, right? I'm an old bastard. But my when I grew up, I would have grown up in the late seventies, um, and early eighties was when I was that kind of age, and that that was just par for the course, right? That's what you did. Mm. You just you know you mm. got on your bike because there wasn't the internet. There wasn't. Um, there was like four channels. Where you weren't doing any Netflix. That wasn't even around. There was none of that back in the day but it was it was nice to see a return because you're right the groms down here were either in the water surfing or they were on their um on their the treadleys bikes. yeah just and man they made these massive bike parks they're these little gorilla bike because the council down here didn't like it so all these kids got real smart it was hilarious they started building all these gorilla bike cam um, tracks everywhere now the kids around my area found a bush Reserve, and they built the most amazing little bike park in there with gap jumps, tabletop jumps, um, all the things that you'd you'd need, and kept it quiet from the council until some Karen walked in and blew the joint up. And then the council (laughs) came and bulldozed. What pack of assholes! The council came and bulldozed it, Um, and. Kids won't dig in your garden. You ask a kid to go plant a bush or, or a plant or something, and they're going to tell you to get stuffed. Man, yeah, they were to- hauling. I mean, they might as well got an excavator in. They were hauling tools in there like champions. And I knew where they were doing it, and I honestly couldn't care less because, to be fair, yeah. my, my, my groms are in there as well helping. Um but, but it's amazing what they can do. Yeah. Like that's in what short I'm saying.
1: In of time. Industry. If only our council could do something quite quick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know. Like it's just bullshit. Like the council were proper asses in this, in this um, area and, and they were unflinchingly stupid. Um, mm. And it got to the point where we, you know, we end up personally ringing the mayor of the town and going, well, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing? Yeah. You buffoon. Um, and, you know, things are resolved, but yeah, we really saw a revolution, I think. And and number of kids now who will
1: roll a Julie mountain bike, just, you know, anywhere is, uh, is pretty cool. If I, had, if I had 10 of them, I'd sell 20 every phone call. Hey, do you have this dual suspension? Do you have this hard suspension mountain bike? I've got people wanting to wait and I'll say, look, wait till February. Oh, that's fine. I've been told six months, but there's, so, <laughs> so the, the desire for them is still there and it's, it's, it's nice to hear, but I don't want to be a consumer right now.
0: No. Um, <laughs> no. Supply chains are screwed. I was talking to a guy in a bike shop um, the other day, and he said that they were not expecting new stock really properly until 2023.
1: He was saying that... And even then, that's probably still a bit of a, a stretch.
0: Right. So he's full of crap. No, but he... Um, he, he was basically saying that they have four hundred. They want to sell four hundred bikes. He said we'll get a hundred allocated.
1: Yeah, yeah, crazy yeah. town, crazy yeah. town.
0: Um, I didn't, I didn't, uh, you know, think that there was much to it. You never think about it because you're always able to. But now you walk into a shop and it feels like that they're going out of sale, uh, out of mm-hmm. out of out of um commission because the shop's empty. There's no bikes on the rack.
1: And there's even the top end stuff. Can't get top end stuff either.
0: Do people get FOMO? Do you find that people get FOMO that they go, oh, damn it, I've just got to have something. I'll just chuck another couple of thou at it and see if I can get it.
1: Well, that's what happened. And then now they can't even get that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, people walk in wanting to spend $1,000. They've walked out spending $5,000 on a bike. And they're thinking, I don't know how to ride this bloody thing. People don't bought a bike and it's got electronic shifting. Yeah. And they don't know
0: how to use it. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. I must admit, I'm not... I don't mind the Di2 setup. I'm not a fan of disc brakes on a road bike. Um, yeah, because either. I'm a spud, right? I clearly know nothing yep. mechanically, um, but I like the fact that I can fix a rim brake.
1: Yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely,
0: it's a lot better. feels feels yeah. like I, I'm in charge of something, and if I need to adjust it. The, the adjustment on a rim brake is ridiculous. Computer. It's just a little it's just a little lever
1: on the side <laughs> of the brake.
0: <laughs> you know, it's, it's like the great uh, Jerry Seinfeld used to say, but when, when the car breaks down and the bloke goes around and opens the bonnet, expecting it to be a massive on and off button, you know, and he can just flick it to <laughs> on again and work it, you know, like not going to happen for me.
1: Not going to happen. No. It's not a VL Commodore with no. a hammer.
0: <laughs> so you're a pro waiting to happen. Um Yes. Tell us a little bit about your journey to get to like, how did you, how did you find triathlon? Um, and, and what sort of kicked you into it?
1: Yeah. So, um, I have a a little bit of a story. Um, basically for people that who may or may not know me, um, and they've, they've seen my face planted on, you know, two times a year websites and stuff. And they think "Look, this bloody bloke athlete's been athlete forever. Um, I've, I've actually only come into the sport within the last ten-ish, oh, I'd say nine-ish years. Uh, well, actually, less than eight years. Um, I used to do a little bit of sort of track in high school, a bit of swimming here and there, but nothing serious. But I've, um, up until I was about nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, I was, you know, I was heavily abusing drugs. I was heavily abusing alcohol, partying. Um, getting mixed up in gangs and and the bikies and you know in trouble with the law all, all the time and to the point where you know I I was about to face some some jail time and um I haven't I had an older brother his name's Christian and you know I didn't really have a dad growing up so to speak he was he was there he was around but he was never he was he was a father but he wasn't a dad you know so he. I came out of, you know, his penis, but he wasn't, I I, I could ask him, hey, dad, I need to borrow 20 bucks, but I would never ask him any, you know, personal advice or life advice. So I did with my older brother, Christian. So he was pretty much my everything. And um, he was in the defense force and he would train, he would run for for his fitness and, you know, swim because he was in the Navy and and, um, gym and, cycle his bike and whatever, and he could see I was actually going down quite a bad path of destruction. And he, and he he actually bowed me up one day, actually came to my work and grabbed me by the throat and said, what the fuck are you doing with your life, mate? Um, and I said, mate, I don't know. I got into some drug issues, a bit of a drug debt. He sorted it for me and he said, right, Harry, I want to do an Ironman and I want you to help me train for it. Um and I've just gone, oh yeah. Easy, mate. That could be, you know, how hard could it be? Running a bit, cycling a bit, swimming a bit, too were, easy. Were you
0: aware <laughs> of what an I man was at that point?
1: I absolutely was not. <laughs> 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 I just I just thought it would just be a swim, um, a bike ride and a run. That's really all it was to me. Until I started actually doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was the most embarrassing thing. I had an old huffy. I don't know if you know what a Huffy was. It was a. Oh, I know. It was it. a. Oh, yes. People people who had a Huffy, his parents didn't have much money and they were a Kmart bike. But I had a, I had a Huffy that was rusted. And it was a 26 inch and it was in my uncle's shed. And I grabbed it off him. And my brother had a Cannondale slice or something. And we started doing a little bit of bike rides. And he actually then bought me a Merida, uh, what was it? Sculpture or whatever they're called. Just a. An, a Base model um, Merida road uh, flat bar road bike, and we're riding together. And you know, got a bit better. Then started doing a bit of running, um, bit of swimming in the ocean because he lived near the ocean over in Western Australia. And then I we started to get you know the 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 love for it. I I started to lose a bit of weight. I stopped really drinking alcohol. Um, stopped drugs. He said to me one day, he said, Harry, I'll buy you a time trial bike. It was a a specialised shiv, but I want you to make me a promise. I don't want you to liaise with any of those, you know, quote, friends, unquote, that I used to hang out with. Um, Don't hang out with them, and I don't want you to go partying. Um, I want you to really focus on helping me do this Ironman, and I'll buy you a a time trial bike. And I said, yeah, absolutely. Um, Consider it done. So, can I did. ask though,
0: can I just ask how, how in like obviously you're saying you're in pretty deep with the drug crowd and, um, mm. you know, you had a drug debt. How yep. does like, how does that spiral? Like, how do you go into that? And then I guess, how do you just pardon the pun, trifon style? How do you transition then from that? Like, how do you leave that world behind?
1: It was very difficult. It was hard. I actually got stabbed twice um I was left to sort of I would say die at the front of my apartment and I'll never forget that it was on my mum's birthday um she came running downstairs from her apartment and I was standing out the front gate with two stab wounds in my stomach um um because I wanted to leave I want. I was actually I'm not gonna I won't name names or anything but um I was I was very close to joining um, uh, a gang in in perth and you may or may not know when you sort of enter into that life it's sort of easier you you you're brought in by the glitz and the glamour you know the partying the the girls the, the the nightlife the really cool um glitz and the glamour but there's there's always you know there's always work that you need to do um once again, without going deep into it, yeah, and is and that a, I, obviously that's
0: a legal work that you've got to do. absolutely. Yeah. It's
1: no, it's I, it's not, it's not good. It's I see people now, and I'm, th- I don't know how to explain to them. You don't know what you're doing, mate. It's, it's a world that looks pretty, but once you're in it, it's, it's a dark, dark place. It's, it's not good. It's not a good world, um, and they don't care about you, mate. That dark side of the world do not give a crap about you. You are just, you are just a speck in there. You're, you, you, I don't, I can't even put into words. You mean nothing. You, you were, yeah. you are just a pawn on their chessboard. Um, and it, it took me, it, it. I loved my brother with my whole heart. He was my absolute everything. Um, and he, he. I don't know what made me do it. Or he obviously made me do it. I didn't have a drug problem, so it wasn't. I wasn't like an addict. Um, it was. It was still very recreational, but like I had to do something which was very illegal, which I sort of didn't. Lucky like my mature hat popped on, and um, and I chose not to do it. But all, but the repercussions of walking away was, you know, a beating and a stabbing, and you know, a message really. And yeah, that that was a real eye opener that I de- definitely didn't want to be in that world it's a fair and,
0: message isn't it i mean jesus it's um yeah so once you've sort of got to that point in your is that when you were able to be somewhat released from that group and you know look at alternative lifestyle
1: it it not really it was a release because i had already started not attending parties and not going to places i was normally at and I was distancing myself from those people because I was staying at my brother's house I was living with him we were training you know getting up at sort of 6am going for a ride going for a run going for a swim so I was he was I was effectively training 15-20 hours a week with him I so I didn't really have time to go hang out with these you know other people um, which was that distraction he wanted to create for me Um, and because I did respect him massively i didn't want to let him down by saying hey i'm going to go back to that world even though you said i promised i'd buy you this 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 specialized um tt bike um but once once i'd sort of got away from it um about six months oh five months after it after the whole incident and you know they sort of let me go stopped contacting me um, we did our little first triathlon together, a little local sprint distance one. And that's when it really started. That's when we first caught the actual bug for triathlon. Um, and then I'd say another f- five or so months of more training. Um, Christian, my oldest brother, um, did a 70.3 in Busso. Yep. Um, absolutely loved it. He, I went down and watched him. It was the greatest thing. And then... It was in December, uh, so that was in May, and then he did Busso in a December. The full, yep, he did it. Um, which what was year, fantastic. What year was that? Uh, that would have been 2014, I want to say. Yeah, I reckon. 2013.
0: I might have, yeah, I probably was there. I would have thought I did
1: a lot of them. Yeah, you, you probably would have been on the podium, mate. I was, I might <laughs> have been calling him. Yeah, um. Yes, and so he completed. It wasn't a fast time, but he did it. It it was just a plotter, mate. Um, And then the year after that, he said, Harry, it's it's your turn. (laughs) Um, And then I got a phone call one day um, from a policeman. He goes, is this this Harry Harry Young? And I said, yes, it is. He goes, is your brother Christian Young? I said, "Yes, it is." He said, "Um, "Harry, your brother's been involved in a motorcycle accident and has unfortunately passed away." Oh, damn! Um, And that moment, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't believe him for starters. And he said, "Harry, I was his, I was his next of kin. I was his, because we lived together." Yeah, he said you need to come down to um, Charlie Gardner Hospital and identify your brother's body. I still didn't believe him. I was just in utter shock. Um, Drove down there, um, walked into the hospital, walked to the front desk and I said, hi, um, my name's Harry Young. I'm here to um, see my brother Christian Young. Um, The nurse, you know, typed the name into the computer and, you know, nothing came up. And then she goes, oh, okay, well let me just check another computer and type Christian Young in, and nothing came up. And she said to me, She said, oh, sorry, I can't find any ad, you know, anyone that's been admitted under that name. Um, and I said, oh, I, and I had a sigh of relief. I've gone, Oh, thank God. Oh yeah. I, you know, was, And I, I said, Oh, well, no, sorry, I just got a phone call from someone saying he's you know he's died and you know he's been admitted to hospital. And she goes, Oh, someone might have been making a prank call to you. And I've gone, Oh, thank God for that. Oh she goes, hang on, just let me just check one more computer. And it was the mortuary, and sure enough, he was there. Um, and that moment, I didn't know what to do. Um, that pain that you feel when you lose someone who saved you, but it also was your everything, has taken away from you. You you don't. You can't explain it. It's you. You can't you can't tell people what this pain is. And I had I had two options. I either fell back into a path of destruction, or I faced my demons and take some good out of this out of him. And that's where Triathlon came in. Um, and for the next two, three-ish, four-ish years, five years, I trained my like a lot of people would turn to drugs and alcohol to you know self-harm themselves but i would turn to vigorous exercise you know i would run so hard that i could taste blood in my lungs you know i would cycle so hard that i couldn't feel my quads and i would swim till i almost passed out the training was was you know great it got me real fit and you know won state titles national titles under 21s 23s um it was fantastic and and I guess my my version of self harming myself was just putting myself through um, that pain. Uh, so I was inflicting pain on myself by training hard. And you know, I um I guess at the start of COVID, I sort of said, you know what, now now or never, I get the go pro, or you know, I just be an age grouper that's just really good. And I applied and got my pro license and. Gonna debut at uh, Man WA coming up in four weeks. <laughs> so,
0: Jesus, oh, fuck. um, oh, mm. I'm I'm sorry. On
1: that's that is, whew, God, someone's been cutting onions in here, mate. Um, yeah, it's it's I did. There's obviously a lot in between, you know. Yeah, but you know i do understand we're on a time constraint and no uh, no and- not for this but do you so obviously then you know like taking that
0: road that you have and and you know is training for you i is it hard for you to for you to get out of the door or is it just that you know christians no sitting way. there saying come on mate out you go
1: i when you lose someone like that nothing in this world matters um I don't give a shit about money, I don't care about pain, I have no fear. You, I if I don't care, I simply don't care. I forget if if I have if I have an attitude that you just get it done. If it's pissing down with rain, whatever, you're not going to melt if it hurts, you know, it only hurts for so long. It's the pain I felt losing someone like that, there's no pain greater. So what's a little five-minute effort of vo2 you know it's yeah it doesn't mean anything to me it's training is how i do connect my brother because one of the last things we did before he, he died on a tuesday and we did a long run on the sunday yeah um and it was a 23k run and i don't and i just remember we were just chatting away and it just meant it was just brother to brother love and I, I, I thank him every time I go, like, he, he's always in my mind, no matter what, no matter what. Like, he, he obviously, I said to him before, he was in the Defence Force and he was actually what they call a clearance diver, which is um, the Navy Special Forces. Um, so I guess you'd say it's the, the, the commando of the army. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he would often tell me stories that he would be sitting in a swamp in wherever for three days awake. Just sitting, sitting, hungry, tired, and that pain once again is greater than what anything we would experience in a half Ironman or an Ironman or a a sprint distance or Olympic distance. You know, yeah, they they feel real pain. So what's a little bit of pain getting up at four a.m. or, you know, riding at three hundred watts for an hour or something?
0: (laughs) So (laughs) was he still on active duty when he passed
1: away? um, He. Was he transferred from the navy to what they call Tag East? Right. Um. And what was, a lot of people don't know what Tag East is. Tag East is, uh, if you've ever seen, if there was a terrorist attack in the city, and you see this black car roll up and a bunch of dudes in black suits, a black bloody commando gear with a machine gun come in, do whatever they need to do, and leave. Yeah. He was that person. Wow. So, yeah, so it actually fall, falls under the Department of Corrections. Yep. Um, obviously back in Perth. Um, but, yes, he was he was in active duty. He he hated riding his motorbike. He hated it. But he was the type of guy that would go, right, it takes me 17 minutes to get from work to home via a motorbike, and it costs me $4 in fuel, yeah. and it costs me $100 a year in insurance. But if I drive a car, it costs me, you know, $50 a week in diesel and it takes me an hour to get home and it's this much money in insurance. So that's the type of person he was. Yeah. He would, he would, he was very intelligent in that sense. And he, he hated riding his bike and it was just, <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> yeah. it took him away. <laughs> yeah. Clearly
0: he sounded like an underachiever with what he was up to work wise. Um, and clearly he was underachieving on the brother front as well. Um, it's remarkable. Yeah. Uh it's a remarkable story um, about how selfless some people can be, huh? Um,
1: Absolutely, mate. And I, I'm just a bloke. I'm just a bloke who who who. You know, everyone's got a story. You know, everyone has a reason why they do triathlon or why they do whatever they do, sport wise. Um, but we all feel the same. You know, someone might like, say, "Oh." You know, my dog died, but me and my dog used to run together. Now I'm a marathon runner. That pain is mm. still the same. You know, we, we all can, we're all on the same level. No one's better or worse than anyone else. We all have that motive to go do whatever we do. Yeah. It's, it's yeah.
0: Um. So, okay. So moving forward into your pro career, which is COVID has basically flushed down the toilet for the last <laughs> couple of years. Thanks, COVID. Um, yeah. So you're debuting in a month at yeah. Ironman Western Australia, the Mighty Busso, um, the Mighty Busso, the Mighty Busso. Let's. Uh, I, was
1: supposed to, I was supposed to go Western Sydney, but unfortunately, that's when Sydney's pandemic, which uh, which is in New South Wales on the eastern coast of Australia, yeah, the second um, wave, the second wave. Mm-hmm. That's when, so that got shut down. So that was going to be my debut seventy point three. Then I was going to go to Sunny Coast, but then Sunny Coast were locked out of Victoria. Was locked out of Queensland, so I couldn't go to Queensland. Yep. That's so right. Let's pull the trigger and let's just go all in and go sub eight hours, <laughs> or eight hours, uh, and bus um, <laughs>
0: Yeah. So it's obviously. I mean, and this is what. The pre pre Man talk is bullshit. I always hated mm. it. I hated pre Ironman Man press conferences and stuff like that because you don't know what to ask. And if you do ask the same questions, the pros are glare at you like you're some moron, yeah. but you have yeah. to ask yeah. them. So obviously you're in good condition. You're feeling, you know, you're in good shape. Um, what's it gonna be like though, standing on that start line for you in terms of you know, I can, I can imagine your brother there, you know, being as proud as 10 men that he's, you know, his little brother's become and gone pro. Um, how are you going to feel?
1: I it's a, sorry,
0: It's an emotional thing. Like, Oh, sorry. I, I'll just jump in. I, I, I've been an Ironman start lines. I've commentated, I think 12 or 13 Ironmans and I've been to a hundred of them, but, you will see people just bawling their eyes out for just because it's so freaking emotional. Everyone's so heightened. How what are you gonna do?
1: I I will go there. I will go to my first start line with the motive with the motive I'm gonna win. I may not win. I probably won't win. But I feel if you go there with your got your your eyes set on your goal of winning, you will you will you will succeed. You this is your journey. You my coach says to me, and he actually got it from a podcast that was um, mentioned by Mark Allen. I was gonna say it won't be this one. This one's crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this will be a top this will be a, a chart topper. It, um, it's he he said my coach is very clever. He he will train me he said, Harry, this is what you're expecting. This is your goal. If you do this goal, you'll you'll be happy. But let's take you past that goal. You want to do an, an a sub eight ten, you can do an eight ten Iron Man? Cool. Let's push you to do an eight hour Ironman. Man. Let's train you to do an eight iron man. So when you do your eight ten, you've succeeded. But we'll train you past that. You know, you'll it it was it's very it, t- it took a while to, to sort of get, but now I get it. It's all in the mind. It's about being mentally stronger. Mm. And I feel that no matter how fit you are, starting on that style, like, yes, everyone's emotion, emotional, but this is your job. This is what you do. This is what you've done. You've, you've, you've sacrificed 12, you know, a year, two, three years of your life, lost friendships, you know, lost experiences, lost opportunities for this single moment you can't let emotion get in the way of it, you know, turn emotion into, into fuel. You know, you you stare down the barrel of the gun and just go, like, for me, it's, yeah, I'll be lining up with people that I've looked up to, you know, for years and thinking far I'm never going to be side by side with you, but take it as a, a, you know, a blessing, a privilege, you know, you're privileged to be there and you've earned the right to stand there. If someone's willing to give you a license to race with the best in the world, Hey, that's you're obviously somewhat good enough to be there. <laughs> I wouldn't have you wouldn't have let you get your license.
0: <laughs> and and do you feel like? I mean, it's hard, isn't it? Like being a new pro, given the raft of races that are you know that are now happening and what we're seeing. Of course, the weekend showed us, you know, yeah. another name who is clearly in a oh, different
1: world of his own. Yeah,
0: and, I mean, to be honest. Every man and their freaking dog called it. It wasn't a surprise. I don't think anybody was surprised. Um, Kevin McKinnon probably because he just (laughs) doubts everything I say.
1: Um,
0: (laughs) But then he's not that important. Um, I'm still drive-by on that guy even when he's not around. That's terrible. Um, But so do you feel like, like you know, knowing that sub-eight is the new black and if you can't run a sub-eight Ironman, then you are not in any, you know, yeah. Is that pressure for a new, like for a rookie pro coming in or is it just, you know what, I've got the tools or how do you approach that?
1: So I don't have, you know, the the funds to go and live in Sierra Nevada at Elevation and, you know, train all day, every day. I'm an average Joe Blow that has a, a nine to five job but still manages to fit in 25 hours a week training. Um, I... I'm entering it with is I just need to be the best that I can actually be. Um I'm hey I may never do a 740 or a 735 but I will try and leave everything out there to accomplish it. <laughs> it's it's you got to work with the tools you're given. I often say to myself yeah hey you might swim faster than me and you might bike you know, stronger than me and you might run faster than me. But fuck me, I'm a lot more mentally stronger than you and I will make sure I will leave everything out there. I will face demons and dark places that you wouldn't even dream of and that will get me across that line.
0: Not not, not doubting that for uh, for one <laughs> second, to be fair to <laughs> you, after the last 20 minutes we've just had. Um, so obviously getting to Bustleton's a challenge because the Premier of – Perth or Premier mm. of WA has decided that he's got his own country now and we've, we've divided countries. Um, so are you tunnelling in or are you being smuggled in uh, Sinaloa cartel style or how's it Absolutely.
1: working? Um, so I've actually made a deal with my former gang. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, no, nah, I've, I've applied so much like the AFL, they applied for an exemption, a seven-day exemption. Um, you have to COVID test three days before Day of day three and day seven. Yep. Um, so I'm flying out to Adelaide on the 26th of November, where I'll hang out for seven days, and then fly straight from there to Perth and allow myself two days of 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 uh, of conditioning. Um, but I should be fine. I've been doing a lot of heat training here because I know it's going to be around about 27 ish degrees. Um, so I've been in a lot of workouts with a jumper on or a heater on, or yep. um, you know running at the hottest points. So that's my goal. Um, I'm still waiting for the tick of approval from a what they call the G2G, which is uh, West Australian police and whoever the governing bodies are to approve it. But I should be okay. Um, I just had to get a few stat decks signed and. You know, places I'm going to live, and for seven days, and prove that I am an West Australian resident, and oh, it's been an absolute nightmare. But you know, should we should be good? I've got the tickets booked, and you know, they sort of have to arrest me and turn me away at the other <laughs> end if <laughs> to, to not let me in. So sounds I'll like they'd need
0: to be you know half decent athletes to catch you now. Um, <laughs> where do we so in a, fast forward a year? What yep. what's what do you think? Like where are you predicting your career to be?
1: So I will be taking my sport full-time at the sort of end of December. Um, Fortunately, I have been blessed and absolutely privileged and honoured to have a few sponsors that um, that could cover, that could cover obviously not a half-decent wage but a decent wage. You can drop
0: them though. If you want to drop names, we're all about dropping Uh, names.
1: We're all about dropping two times you and – you know giant bikes they're all the they're all the the winners at the back end they're all the, <laughs> yeah they're all the winners um yeah so i'm absolutely I'm, I'm internally grateful like to the bottom of my heart that they, they they've listened to me and and they can see that you know as as much as i feel that sponsorship now you don't have to be the greatest athlete anymore i feel it's you have to be the biggest motivator. Um, and I never saw myself as a motivator. Um, I just saw myself as a bloke that had a, wanted to you know, ride his bike. Um, but I get numerous messages from people saying thank you. And I, I feel that my sponsors have, have seen that and, you know, that they're, they're wanting to help me fulfill, you know, a, a, a broken boy's, <laughs> a broken boy's dream. So I'm really privileged in that sense. So I'll be doing it full time. Um, and then in a year I'd, Obviously, international travels opening back up. I'd love to tap back into the Asian races, and uh, yeah, and just I suppose give it a shot whilst I can. And then uh, and then get a beer gut and drink beers and eat burgers at free will by the time I'm thirty. And become
0: a podcaster. I mean, it's <laughs> and become, become a podcaster. Perfect. <laughs> it's the perfect hey, that sounds great. The perfect storm right <laughs> perfect there. Absolutely, um, mate. I, I've. I've got to admit I you know I've spoken to you a few times and we've swapped texts and stuff like that but I I completely blindsided by that story of yours and it's um ridiculous it's your your resilience in in being able to express it and use it as a tool to to motivate yourself but also to you know to actually share that with you know the f- good folks who listen to this is um yeah, that's pretty phenomenal. And I, I, I'm indebted to you for, um you know... Uh,
1: it's my pleasure. Um, I see it now. I used to be very hurt by it and I, I would often, you know, couldn't speak about it. But now um, I'm happy to share my pain because I feel since the pandemic, mental health has really, really come to fruition in the sense that a lot of people are struggling now. Um, and we are all in this together and I feel that if once if my story can help just one person or, you know, two people and then they can help another person and motivate another person to do that, mate, that's that's a, that's a life saved, you know, and, and I think that's what my brother did as a, as a job. He, he put his life on the line to, to save others. Um, if I can do something very similar, um, hey, so be it. Well,
0: mate, I could probably speak for everyone listening too that um, when you toe the line at WA, we're all going to be in your corner um, yes, and mate. wishing you all the best. And, you know, this is courageous. And I think anybody who puts their, um, you know, their, their foot forward into the professional world of any sport, um, yeah. you know, deserves a tip of the hat. So, mate, thank you so much for spending some time with us here.
1: Mate, it was my pleasure. I it was, it was, um, I feel honoured to be a part of it.
0: Mate, love it. Loved having you on. And um, we certainly want to catch up with you uh, post Bustleton. Uh, Absolutely. And give us the skinny on what your first pro race was like. That'd be awesome to catch you.
1: I'll share the prize money with you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks, Harry. appreciate your time, buddy.
1: Mate, no problem. Ciao. Thanks for listening to The Life of Try. If you like us, tell your mates and follow us on Instagram at The Life of Try.